Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. And we got a hell of a show lined up for you guys today. We will be talking about all the news that is out there in the world of MMA this week. The UFC caught a ton of fighters, which is just absolutely crazy. We'll be talking about a ton of those. Plus, we'll be talking about a UFC Hall of Famer stepping back into the cage. All that. Plus, we'll be breaking down UFC Sweden and talking to two of the fighters from the card, Frank the Crank Camacho and Christoph Diagos. And we'll be doing our famed combat countdown this week, honoring the unsung heroes of WEC. We'll be talking about our five favorite unsung heroes of the former company. You're going to love it. But before we get to any of that content, I have to remind you that this episode is brought to you by ADK Fightwear. Go to ADKFightwear.com and use promo code TURTLE, T-U-R-T-L-E, all lowercase, and you're going to get 20% off some high-quality grappling gear. It's high-quality grappling gear that lasts, and it looks great, and you're going to get it for some low, low prices. That 20% goes so far because you can get their arm bars and stripes rash guard, which is a, a rash guard, short sleeves, with an American flag using jiu-jitsu belts instead of the stripes. It's really sweet looking. It only costs 25 bucks, and that's before you use the promo code. If you use promo code TURTLE, T-U-R-T-L-E, all lowercase, you're going to get that same rash guard for just 20 bucks. And let me tell you something. I've worn this rash guard a hundred times. It's got colors that still pop. The seams look great. It looks brand new, even though I've been wearing it forever. This is stuff that's high quality and is going to last forever. And you're not going to find that online for 20 bucks anywhere else. And they don't just have rash guards. They've got geese, spats, t-shirts, sweatshirts. Check out their whole line, adkfightwear.com. ADK Fightwear brings you this episode. Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. This is Daniel Gumby, breathing with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Frank the Crank Camacho, who fights Nick Hine at UFC in Sweden this weekend. Frank, I want to start by talking about the beginning of your UFC career. I know there was one fight before it, but... I want to talk about the fight with Damian Brown because the fight with Damian Brown was pretty insane. It was the part of a three-fight run where you won fight of the night three times in a row. I, I got to ask, do you go looking for that kind of fight or does that kind of fight go looking for you? You know, man, I, I, I get asked that question all the time, man. And, and it's like, uh, I promise I don't like getting punched in the face, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but you know, I, you know what it is, man. I think it's, uh, I, I just try to keep it simple. Uh, the, the island fighting spirit is in me. And, um, and dude, I'm just going to get in your face and I'm going to make it, yeah, make it simple and make it a fight. Absolutely, and, and I don't know if you know this too. You actually hold a UFC record for the most consecutive fight of the nights to start a UFC career with Justin Gaethje and Yoshihira Akiyama. What's that like? Man, I I, I was uh, I was I forgot who I was talking to, and they actually broke those facts down, and I was like, dude, that's freaking awesome. I mean, you know, honestly though, I would I would prefer performance of the night and maybe that's why i bring it so hard all the time because i'm trying to get these finishes these knockout finishes you know because if you look at the early part of my career man i've been stopping guys and 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 now in the ufc except for my last one you know all decisions you know and it's like uh i guess i'm gunning for the performance of the night more so and and five of the nights are just coming out so (laughs) dude it's um, you know, honestly, to to be to be in that mix of names, like uh, with three consecutive fight of the nights with Justin Gaethje and 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 Akiyama, man, it's uh, 
it's, a, it's definitely 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 an honor. And, and you mentioned that that island fighting spirit. Break down a little bit for me what you mean by that. Man, I don't. You know, grow, growing up in the islands, when you're you're, you're going to grow up fighting. I, I was very fortunate that I've never. You know, I'm not a really a big. If anything, I I hate confrontation. Right? It's kind of kind of crazy that that I'm in the, the career that I'm in. Right? But uh, but it's 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 something. I don't know if it's because we're we come from such a small place. We try to, uh, you know, the island that I grew up on, Dan, is 14 miles by seven miles, small. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's because we come from such a small place, we try to prove big things, or uh, we, we're so used to being so territorial. You know, like I, I always I always think about this, right? But, you know, you get guys from the islands, you get guys like Mark Hunt, you get guys like BJ Penn, Max Holloway, you know, tough, tough dudes that always, always bring it. And uh, I don't know if it's, in, it's it just must, it might be the air or the – or the the 300 perfect sunsets that you get a year. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it certainly could be either of those. And, and let's talk about the fact that you are from an island that that's not necessarily known for MMA. You you just told us too. On top of that, you're pretty much a pacifist. H- how is it that you found MMA? You know, crazy thing is, uh, uh, man. Without getting too in depth of the history, and and I, I, and we may have to do some research, right? But back in '97, so so first off. You're stuck in an island, right? Nothing to do, man. Chill on the beach, hang out with your friends, your family. Dude, it's island, super island style life. You try to do something, you try, you try to stay busy. The next thing you know, you it feels like forever and it's only noon. You know, time is so slow back in the islands. And uh, uh, nothing nothing really to do. So 97 Super Brawl came to Guam. And man, it just... It was. It just shocked the whole island. I was like, "Yo, this thing is freaking cool as hell," you know. And uh, from there, local it, it evolved into local events with uh, Jungle Rules, and then the Pacific Extreme Combat came from there, and uh, and Fury Fighting Islands, and and so it's 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 such a small island. So and with such a huge event, and being only three hours from Japan, from Korea, you know, you get guys from Pride. Uh, you got Anthony Nui that that would come to the islands and and share techniques and and it was, it, yeah, it's just been in the culture, and and it's just been socially accepted for the longest time. And I just happened to be probably like second or third generation of uh, of of those fighters. And that's certainly awesome too. And and now I want to go back to talking a little bit about your fight style, which sort of plays into what you just said. You know that it's sort of a culture here. You've been in absolutely slobber knockers so far in the UFC, but you're a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. You were a wrestler in the Micronesian <laughs> Games, and now you're fighting a judo guy. Do, do you feel like any any grappling's going to happen in this matchup, or do you see this as the same old, same old? Man, you know, Nick Hine, uh, you know, every every time they, they, you hear the commentary, you hear Dan Hardy talking about him or – or whoever whoever's announcing his fight always talk about his he's like a national judo champ and uh from Germany and dude those those accolades are not hard to freaking you know you don't just get that overnight you know what i mean but you never see it you know mm-hmm. kind of like the way that you don't really see my my jiu jitsu as much or whatever right but uh he he's been going to deci- he you know he he goes to decision a lot he he he's a uh, it's kind of hard or i guess not hard, but I'm very intrigued, and I'm I'm looking toward the looking for the challenge of bringing him out of his game and and forcing him to fight in my fight. 
you know what I mean? So it's uh, it's something that I'm constantly thinking about, and, and I'm just, I can't wait, man. I'm looking forward to it. We're looking forward to it, too. Now, I have to ask you, too, as a jiu-jitsu guy myself, uh, I have to ask, how, how do you feel your jiu-jitsu matches up with the people at 155 now that you're back there? You know, you know I, I, man, if 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 you if we ever get time to train, you know, like like I'm I love I, you know, there's two things there's two things that I that I'm that I'm so fascinated about with martial arts. It's the first one is boxing. I love I love the sweet science. It's just so intriguing, you know. And yeah, of course, right. I need to learn kickboxing and all of that. And then jujitsu is probably the second one, or it's up to it's probably even like the the art itself is just so freaking fascinating and it's cool as hell you know what i mean like like the art of ground fighting but uh now i'm like at a point where you know i've been getting away with my hands for so long it's like oh man now i gotta i gotta reach in my back pocket because i'm I'm bringing a knife to a gunfight all the time you know what i mean i need to i need to bust out these other these other tools that i got in the tool shed ready to rock and and uh you know, maybe maybe that's something that we might see um, uh, with this fight, or 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 man, the brawler and the, the the guy just trying to finish and take heads off might come out. You know, so as a martial artist, man, I'm still growing. Craig, I've been in the game for so long, you know, but uh, it's so nice to to so humbling to to know that I'm still an infant in the game, and and there's a lot of there's still a lot of growth, you know, and. And I can't wait for for the world to see the the other parts of of my game that that no one's really seen yet. Yeah, and we're interested to see him too, whether it's this weekend or not. Now, I, I wanted to ask you one more question too, because I I know your name's Frank, and obviously the nickname rhymes with Frank. How'd you wind up with the nickname Crank though? Well, because I crank people's heads, and no, you know, on, <laughs> you, you want to hear the, the real you want to hear the real story? It's it's actually kind of funny. Like, uh, okay, so. Um, I never, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna add in some real truth. I, I've been leaving this out, but you know what? I'm like, F this, dude. I'm just gonna leave. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave this in for now when I, when I tell the story. So, my debut, uh, we, 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 um, my training partner slash coach at the time, Cookie Alvarez, he was throwing the, you know, so he was throwing the event, uh, and I was headlining it. It was my first fight, but, but, you know, I was like the 16 year old. They, like they're promoting it as like the 16 year old phenome from from Saipan fighting such so, so whatever right so I, I never wanted a nickname dude I was just kind of like yeah Frank Camacho's dude's cool like I'm down I, I actually I don't even want a nickname you know I think it's kind of whatever and I was the last fight out of like 18 fights and he was he was the announcer you know he it, it was he was the promoter and he was just on the mic he probably like a couple beers in and he just said the closest rhyming words of Frank <laughs> and it just happened to be crank. And so, so then after the fight, after, after I got the win, you know, everyone was like, Hey, crank, man, good job, bro. Good fight. So let's go. And then it was on the newspaper, the local newspaper, Frank, the crank of watch. So it, it just stuck, bro. And, 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 uh, now I just, I guess I just got to start cranking heads, man. and cranking <laughs> Well, we love that you embrace it. Now, I got to get, before I let you go here, I got to get the prediction officially. You know, you said your jiu-jitsu might come out. You might still be cranking heads. Uh, what's your official prediction for how this one goes down with Nick Hine? Man, you know, at the end of the day, bro, like, I could have this orchestrated, like, uh, game plan and orchestrated way of, of the way the fight is, but uh, it's it's 
it's finding, you know, it's going to be chaotic, you know, or maybe just the way I make it, but I definitely see myself with a finish. All right. Well, we're looking forward to the chaos and we're looking forward to the finish. Once again, this is Frank the Crank Camacho, who fights Nick Hine at UFC in Sweden this weekend. Frank, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Brother Dan, thank you so much for having me on the show, man. I really appreciate you guys. And man, thank you guys all for, for tuning in and support MMA. This is Daniel Gumby reeling with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Chris Josiagos, who fights Demir Hazovic at UFC in Sweden this weekend. So, Christos, this is actually your second stint in the UFC so far, which I think a lot of people don't know about. How has this stint been different than the first time around? Oh, um, man, you know, I'm just, um, I'm just a lot, you know, older, wiser, and, um, smarter, um, yeah, when I first was in the UFC, I, uh, I mean, I, I don't think I wasn't, it wasn't that I wasn't learning, I was just, there was still a lot of learning I had to do, I'm just, you know, a lot, I just think a lot wiser, smarter, I had a lot of time off, a lot of time to think, and a lot more training done, a lot more learning done, so, um, this time I'm ready to, uh, come shoot for the top 10. And we're certainly looking forward to that. Now, you're heading into this fight with Hadzovic. It's in Sweden. It's your fifth straight fight outside of the UFC, uh, or outside of the United States, rather. What, what are sort of your thoughts on continuously having to go overseas for fights? Um, you know, at first, I thought it was cool that I got to travel. And it is cool. It's always cool. I am actually staying like five days in Sweden, so I do like traveling. But, um, you know, I, I told them I didn't want to um, fight out of the country again. But then they offered me Sweden. I was like, yeah, you know what? Sweden's pretty dope. I do want to actually go there and hang out. I've never been to Stockholm. I've been to Sweden, but I only went to a little town. So I wasn't going to go out of the country again, but I like the matchup. I'm okay with Sweden. I do have a best friend. Like, one of my best friends lives out there, so um, and he'll be coming to the fight. So it's always good to have uh, people there to support you. And um, if I had to go anywhere out of the country, Sweden's probably, probably the top three. So that's um that's probably the reason why I took it. And, you know, I'm used to it. I'm used to fighting out of the country. I'm used to cutting weight out of the country. I'm used to figuring things out. And um, it only makes my mind stronger, you know. People will kind of, like, let it get to them. I just use it as, like, you know, how tough are you? And uh, I'm a Spartan, so I like to go over to the land and take over. Yeah, and you said in there, too, that, that uh, you know, obviously Sweden is one of those places you would like to go and you would like to spend some time be having friends there and whatnot. Are, are you planning on spending time after the fight in Sweden for a little bit longer, or are we right back to training afterwards? No, no, no. I'm actually saying I extended my trip for an extra five days. Nothing too long, but enough time to uh, enjoy myself a little bit, spend some time with my friend, um, check out, you know, what Sweden has to offer. And um, I'm, I'm staying with a couple friends out there um, who are actually going to be in my corner as well. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's going to be a lot of, it's gonna be a good time. You know, my boss, actually, from the gym I train at, he lives, uh, he's friend, he, he's my boss, he's from the United States, but he actually is from Sweden, he's full Sweden, and um, he's going to, uh, you know, hit up some people, get contacts, and uh, to show me around. That, that's very cool. Now, you also said in that, that first response there that you are you like this matchup with Demir Hazovic. Now, Hazovic is kind of a, a forward pressure kind of guy. He's got a little bit of wrestling in there. What else did you like about the matchup with Hazovic? Actually, you know, I, uh, I hope he does press me forward. I feel like he likes to keep his distance, use straight punches to, you know, keep people back. And I actually like to come forward. So if we get two forward fighters, you know, that that that, that shows for any fight. 
But um, yeah, yeah. So I just you know I, I see that he doesn't really have anything to threat off his back or jujitsu wise. You know he's tough. He has some scrambles, but um. I always love fights that I get to use my wrestling. Usually when I fight like black belts, high-level black belts, I tend to shy away from my wrestling. And I started with the wrestling background. So I always love that that's an option for me. Um, but I do definitely want to you know, fight with them. I feel like I'm a little faster. Um, you know, strength-wise, I feel like I match up well. And, yeah, you know, I just I, I like this fight. I think it's a good fight for me. He has three wins in the UFC, so this is... Uh, a step forward, you know, it's not like I'm taking a step back or anything like that. So um, I always like the opportunities to come forward. Yeah, and you said in there too that you you shy away from your wrestling a little bit when you're fighting good black belts. This is a fight that you feel like you can get him down. Is is that how you see this fight ending? Do you see this fight ending with ground and pound? You know what? I, I feel like I have the I'm the kind of fighter who has the ability to finish this fight on the feet or on the ground or the submission or. Um, or some, you know, TKO, ground and pound. But, you know, he's never been submitted, so that would be, you know, a challenge. He has fought the black belt and, you know, has not got submitted. So um, I don't, you know, see, like, anything given to me. Um, I definitely want to go out there and try to take it. But, um, yeah, you know, I feel like I can't finish this fight anywhere. But I can very see this fight going to a decision, too. You know what I mean? So it's just, it all depends how it plays out. You know, it's, it's hard to predict. But um, I, I definitely do want to fill him out on the feet and, and test my striking out with him striker well we're certainly looking forward to it once again this is christos tiagos who fights demir hajovic at ufc in sweden this weekend christos thank you so much for the time we really appreciate it no worries i appreciate the call and those interviews with frank the crank camacho and christos tiagos are brought to you by maroon social m-a-r-u-n-e maroon social is the one and only bjj app where you can track your training that's right you can track your training on your smartphone now without having to do something weird in your notes section. So you're going to go to the iTunes store or Google Play and you're going to download the Maroon app. Once you have the Maroon app, you set up your profile with your name and your belt level and your home gym and then you can start logging training sessions. So when you're logging your training sessions, you can leave yourself little notes about little tips so that you don't forget it. And you can also now, cool new feature on it, it's brand new, you can tag your friends. You want to get your friend back into training? Boom, tag him, let him know. You got a friend who now lives in a different state, you want to remind him about a sweet heel hook you learned? Boom, tag him in that. It's a sweet new feature that allows your friends to become more linked in with what you're doing training. And if that's not enough to get into the Maroon app, there's also weigh-ins, competitions, seminar stuff, all of that stuff on the app. You're going to want to download it if you train BJJ Maroon Social. Now, I am Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave Camacho says he doesn't like getting hit in the face. Now, with three straight fight of the night bonuses, I'm sure, not sure that I believe him. How about you? Yeah, I don't know that I believe him, Gumby. I mean, he's an action fighter. He's a fun fighter. I guess I believe him from the standpoint of, while he's been in some fight of the nights, maybe the record doesn't reflect what he would like. A couple of losses on there. Uh, maybe that's a good thing he doesn't want to get hit in the face. Yeah, maybe it is. But uh, in the meantime, I'm going to enjoy watching him dish out the punishment and maybe even take a little bit this weekend. Yeah, he's a he's an interesting guy. Uh, and I really do hope the best for him in the UFC because he is a fun-ass fucking fighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said... Speaking of maybe some guys who weren't fun fighters, let's get to our favorite segment on the podcast. Well, at least tied for our favorite segment on the podcast. It's the fastest fight news. We deliver the news to you in under 15 minutes or less, or your podcast is free. The UFC cut 
a lot of names recently, and that's nothing new. They're always going to be trimming the roster. But there were some surprise names in here, and it has some implications on different divisions and even top 15 rankings. We'll start with the big name. Elias Theodoro was cut. Why? Ah, This is a tough one for me, but if I'm trying to rationalize this from the point of the UFC, and I'm, I'm certainly not the UFC, it goes back to something we've been talking about for a long time on this podcast, and that's sort of the elimination of the middle class of UFC fighters. right? Like Elias Theodoro, for his entire career, would probably be ranked between 13 and 20, probably forever. Mm-hmm. And he would probably he would probably continue to beat everybody who's not ranked, and probably lose to just about everybody who is ranked, um, with like maybe one or two exceptions. So like, he he has a spot in the UFC. He is a legitimate fighter. But you also have to remember that this is a business. Does it make any sense to keep a guy who's number fourteen and is probably to the point now where he's making sixty and sixty, right? Like he's gonna beat an unranked guy for a hundred and twenty thousand. Like, that's clearly not doing the UFC any favors. So while I hate that they let him go, because I love Elias Theodoru, I I also totally get it from the business perspective. Yeah, you sum it up very well. I think it's it's rough when Dana goes on mainstream media interviews and says, we're the next, you know, insert blank. We're the next NFL. Mm -hmm. We're bigger than soccer. And it's like, well, you know what? You're not necessarily like those sports, because in sports, you know, the best team isn't going to get cut as they're making a playoff run. And I'm not saying that Elias Theodoro was on his way to a title or a playoff or whatever metaphor you want to use, but it ceases to be a sport and becomes more about entertainment when you're cutting good guys. Yeah, and he was 3-1 and one in his last four, which, which is worth mentioning, too. He was on a three-fight win streak before he lost that last fight. And, and you know, like... You're right, he's probably not on a, a run to the title, but, like, you know, if you have a 16-team playoff, which is what most, you know, ball sports do nowadays, you he would be in that playoff, right? Like, he is clearly, like, the 14 or 15 seed. So, like, you know, using that NBA or NFL mount metaphor, whatever you're using, he's right on that border of a playoff spot as it is. It's just a shame to see him go because he's such a nice guy and he's such a good voice for the sport. Um, But that being said, it it does make business sense. Yeah, it does. I I assume he'll go to Bellator. I mean, there are a couple of different promotions. World Series or a professional fighters league would be great for him because I I think, honestly, he could probably win if they add a middleweight middleweight season three professional fighters league win a million dollars it would be great for him monetarily it would be great for him publicity wise like that would be a good move for him i'd love to see him in professional fighters league season three uh two more flyweights have dropped dead the ufc releases wilson uh hayes and eric shelton uh does the ufc even have 15 fighters to rank at flyweight now last i checked their rankings had 12 flyweights on it plus a champion which gives you 13 total flyweights now that that could just be like when they first release people some of the initial shuffling looks really odd you know like people bump into the rankings that shouldn't be in there and like things like that but that being said i'm not sure there are 15 flyweights still under contract um Zane Simon from Bloody Elbow has, like, a list of all of the fighters still under contract. I would be interested to go in when he updates that and see if there are 15 flyweights left. It, it, the writing is on the wall, right? Like, flyweight is dead, and I'm pretty sure the, the question is just asked, like, 
does this seem like a guy who can go to 135? And if it's not, you you cut him, right? Like, Eric Shelton is like a thinner, leaner 125-er. He doesn't look like he's going up. Wilson Hayes probably looked like he could go up, and, and he's he was like a top six flyweight, so that one's a little bit weird to me. But but the writing's on the wall. Flyweight is dead. If there's one more flyweight title shot, I will be very surprised. Uh, we'll go to the opposite end, end of the spectrum, and two notable heavyweights, uh, notable for different reasons, Dmitry Smolyakov, and then rumored, although he's denying it, Justin Willis being cut. Yeah, Smolyakov only uh, worthy of being mentioned because he was already fired once by the UFC, uh, left and got one uh, win against a 500 opponent on the Russian scene and was pretty much rehired to lose to Greg Hardy. He did that successfully and then uh, was given his walking papers. So no real surprise there. Justin Willis has sort of been denying it, but this seems like, I mean, uh, Walt Harris uh, came out on, I can't remember whose podcast, so I'm sorry for not giving him credit, but he came out and said uh, that he was offered a fight with Justin Willis and was told Justin Willis could not make weight, and the fight was two months away, which you've got to ask, like, how big does Justin Willis get? If that's the truth, which I, I don't know if that's the truth, he's got to be pretty fucking big if he can't make it in two months. It could just be that he didn't want to fight Walt Harris, and this could be a negotiation tactic, but it seems weird to, to fire you know, one of DC's training partners who's four and one in the UFC. Yeah, it does. Um, and I guess we'll have to wait for more confirmation on that. We talk about people going, how about someone coming back, maybe evening it all out. Uriah Faber's coming back and he is coming back for a huge fight. Pack the kids in the car, plan this one out on your calendar. Uriah Faber's fighting Ricky Simon. Smell the virus. Yeah, so I actually think that this is a fun fight because he's fighting an up-and-comer in the division. Ricky Simon is, is a, a hell of a prospect. He's 3-0 and in the UFC. Uh, but also at the same time, and I, I think I'm probably one of the few people thinking this, I also think it's a surprisingly winnable fight for Uriah Faber. Ricky Simon got taken down a couple of times, I think six, by Mirab Davalashvili, uh, which, who's a good wrestler, but at the same time, like, Uriah Faber is a good wrestler. So is this a fight where Faber could take him down a bunch of times and, and eke out a decision? I think it probably is. Adding the fact that it's in Sacramento and the crowd's going to be popping like crazy for him and it could sway the judges. I, I, I'm i not personally a big Uriah Faber fan, but this is kind of a good fight for him to come back to if he's going to come back. I mean, clearly the fight to make would have been Faber coming back to the UFC against... Nicky Ryan making his MMA debut. What do you say? It would have been awesome. Now you're you're clearly high, you're clearly higher on the fight than I am. You lay out some good points. He's going to get the hometown pop, as we say in professional wrestling. It's a winnable fight, and it's kind of win-win for the UFC because then Ricky Simon Simone, however you want to say it, he would make a name for himself off of Uriah Faber. But I got to say, for Uriah Faber coming back, I could have even lived with him fighting someone at 145. To be quite honest with you. Just another big name. If you're going to bring a big name back, and let's face it, Uriah Faber doesn't have another title run in him. I don't know. I'd rather have seen him fight someone with a bigger profile, but it is what it is. We're talking about Uriah Faber. It leads in perfectly. This is just a coincidence, I swear, <laughs> to our combat countdown this week. 
which is we were thinking of the unsung heroes of the WEC days. So not the Jose Aldo's, the Uriah Famers, the Dominic Cruz, the Miguel Torres's. Uh, well, you know, maybe Miguel Torres, but not those huge names that went on to big UFC success. We're talking about unsung heroes in the WEC, and we really did love the WEC before it uh, got absorbed into the UFC. So let's get to our combat countdown this week, Gumby. It is our favorite segment on the podcast. Well, tied for our favorite segment. But one might wonder, is this combat countdown brought to the fans by any fine company? This combat countdown is brought to you by Sisu Mouthguards. Head to SISUGuard.com for the only mouthguard where you can talk, breathe, and drink all with that mouthguard up in your mouth. I wear mine to jujitsu every single week because it allows me to leave my mouthguard in, take a quick swig, talk to my training partners, and not have to put my mouthguard in my disgusting, germ-filled, gnat-infested hands. Uh, and that, to me, is worth every single penny. And you can even save a couple of pennies when you pick up your mouthguard from Sisu. Head to SISUGuard.com, use promo code TOPTURTLE15, and get 15% off all your mouthguard purchases. Your hands are disgusting. Uh, <laughs> let's get to the list. We, of course, asked for feedback on our Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA. Got some tremendous feedback. We took that list and compiled it down to what we believe is a great top five list. Let us know if you like this. Let us know if you hate this, at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter. We'll start with number five, as always. It's Scott Jorgensen. Yeah, I love Scott Jorgensen. Uh, he was uh, not a huge success story in the UFC. He wound up 4-8, and eight, and that's really what we're counting down here. We're counting down guys who, if you only followed the UFC, you probably missed out on him, because he was 4-8 and eight in the UFC, which is not real important, but he did, while he was in WEC, beat Brad Pickett, who is a huge name in MMA, and he was the first ever person to fight for what was to be the UFC Bantamweight Championship. Because once they merged the two promotions at UFC or uh, WEC 53, he was the one fighting Dominic Cruz for whoever was going to be named the first UFC Bantamweight Champion. So, like, while he wasn't close in that fight, he lost 50-45 across the board, we were maybe not all that far away from having Scott Jorgensen as our, our very first UFC Bantamweight Champ. That's so crazy to think about that alternate timeline. Uh, we'll move on to our unsung heroes of WEC with number four. It's Brian Bowles. Yeah, Brian Bowles, he was 2-2 two and two in the UFC. Again, not not anything to write home about, but he did lose to only Uriah Faber and George Roop, who, who are two pretty big names. But remember, too, that he's the guy who, first of all, he beat a name that you're going to see later on the list uh, in uh, Miguel Angel Torres. I'll just spoil that one right there. He's the one who beat him. But then he lost the belt to Dominic Cruz. And when he lost the belt to Dominic Cruz, he only got to fight him for really a round and a half before he broke his hand. So we didn't even get to see what a five-round fight between him and Dominic Cruz would look like before Dominic Cruz took a TKO victory on an injury, which kind of sucks when you're thinking about what could have been for Brian Bolas. Uh, what could have been indeed for a lot of these guys, to be quite honest with you, number three is Jamie Varner. Yeah, Jamie Varner, dude, like, this is a guy who we all thought was going to come to the UFC and just tear stuff up, but he was 2-5 and five in his stint in the UFC, including on his way out hitting a four-fight losing streak, but 
just a taste of what he can do. He did beat fucking Edson Barboza. That's right. He beat Edson Barboza on his way out. He is also a guy who defended his 155-pound title because he was the WEC lightweight champ. He defended it by beating Cowboy Cerrone. That's right. He beat Cowboy Cerrone. He later lost it to Benson Henderson. And then later on in his career, had an absolutely crazy fight with Cowboy Cerrone. If you've got Fight Pass, I heavily suggest going back and watching Cowboy Cerrone versus Jamie Varner too, because it is a fucking barn burner. We'll move then to number two. And now we're really getting into at least, you know, what I think of as like the top guys in WEC, but they didn't really go on anywhere else and become household names in the UFC. So it makes sense to still have them on the Unsung Heroes list. Number two is, and you might know him now as a coach, Mike Brown. Yeah, Mike Brown, amazing coach at American Top Team. He's doing great things there. But he was only two and three in the UFC, and he retired after being knocked out by Steven Seeler. Uh, which, no offense to Steven Seeler, the dude's a submission specialist, not known for his heavy hands, and he's fighting in Professional Fighters League now, which, you know, good promotion, but still not the UFC. So, not a very good UFC run for Mike Brown, but you have to remember he's a guy who, in WEC, beat Uriah Faber twice. And not only beat him twice, first time he knocked him stiff. He knocked him clean out, and then the second time he beat him in a dominant decision. He was the 145-pound champ of WEC until Jose Aldo took the belt off of him. This guy had an amazing run in WEC, and it's one that gets overlooked so often. All right, we've done it. We've counted down the unsung heroes of the WEC from five to two. It is now time to proclaim a king, and it's Miguel Angel Torres. Yeah, Miguel Angel Torres is one of those guys, and we've mentioned him twice already before we even got to him at number one, because it's impossible to talk about WEC without talking about him. But he did wind up 2-2 two and two in the UFC before they let him go. Now, let's talk about those losses, because he lost to Michael McDonald, who by all accounts looked like he was on his way to becoming a title challenger himself, or a title holder himself. And then he lost to Mighty Mouse Johnson, and let's talk about that. He took a round off of Mighty Mouse Johnson. He lost 29-28 to fucking Demetrius Johnson in the UFC, which is damn impressive because not a lot of people took rounds off of Demetrius Johnson. So he ended 2-2 two and two and got released, but when he was in the WEC, he was at one point in time 37-1. His record was 37-1, and, and at the time, he was 28 years old. So that is just an absolutely insane record. He pretty much single-handedly held up the Bantamweight division in that, that organization for a long time. And really, with his moment and personality, he was pretty much one of the people who kept people tuning into the WEC and made it a success story. Very well said. We'll rewind it. It's our top five unsung heroes of the WEC. Scott Jorgensen, Brian Bowles, Jamie Varner, Mike Brown, and Miguel Torres in that order. Hit us up. Let us know if you hated it. Let us know if you liked it. We're accepting both love and hate feedback on the Twitter at Top Turtle MMA. We'll move then to our other favorite segment on the show. It's the UFC breakdown. Gumby, I do have to ask, though, does anyone bring the fans of Top Turtle MMA this UFC breakdown? And this UFC in Stockholm, Sweden breakdown is brought to you by Sheath Underwear. Sheath Underwear is changing the underwear game because you no longer have to wear boxers. You no longer have to wear briefs. You no longer even have to wear boxer briefs. You can wear Sheath because Sheath does what all of them do and what none of them do. 
by giving you an innovative front pocket that helps keep your cash and prizes separate from your legs so that you don't feel like you're getting crushed all the time while also getting the support you need. Head to sheathunderwear.com and use promo code FLOW for 20% off your whole underwear order. Now, for the three picks on this fight card, I'm going all light heavyweight fights. We're going to take Alexander Gustafson in the main event over Anthony Smith. Gustafson, a negative 300 favorite. Smith, the plus 250 underdog. Look, I just think Gustafson's got more weapons. You saw how he fought John Jones the first and to some extent the second time. I think he's just got more weapons, more different things that he can do. I like the way he moves on the feet, whereas Smith, I think, is a little bit more raw. He's got a lot of power there, so the Power is always an option, but I like Gustafson here, even as a big favorite. In the co-main event, I'm going to take Ilir Latifi over Volkan Ozdemir. Latifi, a very slight underdog at negative 105 to Ozdemir at negative 115. I think Latifi's got a path to victory through takedowns here, which I think is pretty interesting. And he hits really hard. His strong head, I think, has got the the ability to take an Ozdemir shot or two. So I think he he has the advantage there. I'm a little bit worried about the gas tank, which is probably why this line is so close. But I'm going to go with Latifi. And for my third light heavyweight pick, I'm going to take Alexander Rachich over Jimmy Manawa. Rachich, a negative 220 favorite. Look, I just think he's got the raw power. I think the sun sort of set on Jimmy Manawa. And I also think Rachich has got more paths to victory because he can hit the takedown and use some top game there. So I'm going to go with Alexander Gustafson over Anthony Smith, Ilar Latifi over Volkan Uzdemir, and Alexander Rachich over Jimmy Manawa. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank our sponsors, ADK Fightwear, Sheath Underwear, Sisu Mouthguards, and Maroon Social. Make sure to download the Maroon Social app. We also want to thank Flow Combat for having us on each and every week. We want to remind you to follow us at Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA. And we want to remind you to check us out next week because I am Daniel Gumby Freeman. He is Shockwave Dave Tremonte. And we are same place, same time next week.